Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to Bet Online AG to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome to our preview of our week five game here on Believe in Saints between the one and three New Orleans Saints and the two and two Seattle Seahawks. I'm David Grubb, and as always, I'm with Terrence Copper. TC, brother, um, you know, you always look for moments where you could turn it around and, and Saints are coming home. But last week was officially a home game. So they're trying to avoid a third straight home loss. Mm-hmm. Um, you come in, you're battered. You know what it's like to take that long trip back from overseas. But typically you used to get that week off after right. you flew back from London. And now you come back and it's, yeah, it's a home game, but it's an early home game on a Sunday. You know, your schedule is a little bit off because of that travel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a it's an adjustment for a team coming home trying to rally itself and still has a lot of areas of concern. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing they got to make sure they have their legs back. Mentally, they got to get back, you know, because it's, it's a grind right now, especially when you're losing. Everything seems extra when you're losing and you're, and you're not winning games. So mentally, they got to stay locked in uh, and understand that nobody's going to feel sorry for us. You know, everybody going through their own issues, whatever that issue is, nobody feels sorry for the Saints. You know, they're actually probably happy about it. You know, so they got to understand nobody's feeling sorry. We just got to we got to correct it ourselves. And when you've been living well for a long time, like the Saints have. Yeah, you know how it is around the league. You'd be glad they pray for your downfall. Right. <laughs> you, you've been running around cocky all this time, running up the right. points on folks for years. Mm-hmm. They're they glad to see you down and they're ready to kick you. Yep. And um, right. it's funny, you talk, we were talking about this just before we started recording, that you look across the field with these teams, the Saints and the Seahawks, and there are similarities there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether it be from, like you said, the, the lack of mental um, execution for both these teams at times, they're both in the top, bottom five in the league in penalties. Uh, defensively they've had their struggles at times. I think Seattle's defense has been a lot more porous than the Saints has been um, this season, but they are not the units that we've been used to and the the level of performance out of either one of these teams. Uh, I think physically, you know, Seattle was a team that built its reputation on its physical dominance, whether it was up front, whether it was defensively, of course, with the Legion of Boom, the Saints the same way defensively and with that offensive line that they mauled people for so long. And I think that's those have become questions for both of mm-hmm. these teams. And, and especially in the backsides of those secondaries, too. You talk about a remade Seattle secondary without Jamal Adams now for the rest mm-hmm. of the year. And a Saints secondary that's banged up with Marcus May and has a, a Teron Matthew in a new role there. So there's a lot to see that's similar between these teams. And offensively, they're both talented with, yep. with a lot of weapons. 
but also quarterback concerns, either through Geno Smith trying to refine himself. Jameis Winston was in the same position, trying to refine mm-hmm. himself as a quarterback. So there's a lot to look at and say mirror images in a lot of ways. Definitely. Uh, I think both these teams need each other. Uh, and when I say they need each other, you kind of hinted to it already. You know, the Seahawks, they are they need to play a team where they can get some stops. You know, they're looking to get their defense back on track. For the Saints, you know, we're looking to get some points on the board. So we're looking for a team that we may can take advantage of, of their defense and the way they play. And the fact, like I said, they got some injuries. Uh, we have some injuries. Uh, both teams are kind of in the same boat, even with the record, per se. Uh, it's an a NFC matchup. They got to win these games. But each team, even though each team's season is not going the way they want it to go, both teams are still in the hunt because of the NFC is not as strong as it usually is. So we just got to come away with a win and just keep chopping away at it because you don't want to go down one and four. You don't want to go one and four. Like, I don't care how good you are. That's a hole that's almost impossible to climb out of. But, you know, we'll see. And the worst thing about it is if you do fall to one and four, three of those four losses at home, like that, that just can't happen. And that has, how surprising has that been? Because for so long, the Superdome was a place that nobody wanted to come. And we've seen kind of over the last two years in particular, it started last season, even leaking into a little bit of the last season for Breeze mm-hmm. down the stretch. The Superdome mm-hmm. was, you know, the Saints started giving away home games. That is, you know, we've talked about all the signs of a bad team, losing mm-hmm. really close games, a lot of mental mistakes, not securing home field. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. You know, that's part of being, you know, a bad, I say a bad team because we're not a bad team. We're just not playing well right now. Right. So, so I can't say we're a bad team, but. We're not playing the way we need to play. Uh, and like you said earlier, you know, one thing about it, the Saints, like I said, New Orleans used to be a place where teams didn't want to come on that turf because they already knew what they expect. But we have been giving away home games here lately. Uh, like I said, even when you go back into the Drew Brees era, era there were still teams that was kind of creeping in and still beating us at home sometimes, you know. But even now, it's become it's become more, more prevalent, you know. So – we just got to keep pushing, man. I mean, we just got to get a win, Dave. Any way you can. Any way you can. Look, we can come up here and talk about this game and talk about the ins and outs of what we got to do. Dave, we got to get a win, man. I mean, we got to win. Yeah, no one's – all the things that we are t- going to talk about and the things we say, hey, we want to look at this, we want to correct this, you won't care if you're if it, if it's 3-0 Saints – at the right. end, of, when the clock hits zero, if it says three zero Saints, that's a L, that's a W. They mark a w. one W in that column, and that's all you care about, man. Yeah, and that's where it game, is right now. They're so hard to win. NFL games are hard to win. There are no, there is not a such thing as an ugly win. There's not. You know, we if we like I said, if we can just win, win by one point, that's fine. You always gonna have corrections that you got to make, but you rather be making those corrections after a W than making those same corrections after a loss. You know, so we just got to win, man. That's the only thing that's going to rectify and get us back on on the right, on one accord. It's the only thing that's going to rally this team together is wins, not losses. 
I mean, of course, I mean, losing is part of the game, but where we're at right now, we got to win games, you know, and that's what's going to rally the team back together. You know, we, let's let's talk about the things that you that that plague this team the most, and these categories. And I just got to read them off to you because it 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 shows you again. Th- there's not it's not hard to find the reason right. that the Saints are one and three. They lead the NFL in three and outs. They lead the NFL in turnovers. Lead the NFL in penalties. And within penalties, they lead the NFL in permit penalties committed on third down which is as bad, <laughs> that makes it even worse. And they lead the NFL in defensive holding penalties in past situations. So, <laughs> you <Dang>. know. <laughs> I wish you didn't tell me that. I wish you didn't. I didn't want to hear that. I did not want to hear that. That's, I'm speaking, it'll inside be funny, but I did not want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Like, when you see, though, I mean, you know. That report comes and it sits on the head coach's table. He's looking at these things. Where do you start? And it what it shows to me, though, it's clearly mental. Yeah. Because we know, again, like you said, this is not a bad football team when you talk about the talent on it. Right. Enough. There are enough individual players that this should not be a one and three team. So mm-hmm. something mentally, because that's the – no matter people can talk about the physical aspect of sports, no matter what you are doing, whether in, in life, the mental part is the most important part of this. Mm-hmm. Some there's a disconnect either in purpose, assignment, or just concept somewhere mm-hmm. for enough people, because this has permeated the entire team. It's not one guy that you can point to. It's right. everybody has committed these transgressions. So mm-hmm. I, what does that tell you when you're seeing these broad-based problems? And particularly like when we talk about the penalties, they're in the worst possible areas for you to be committing them. You know what, Dave? And I really I, I'm hesitant to say it because I mean I, I I just love the program. But when you hear stats like that, it goes back to coaching. And I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but it goes back to coaching because your team is undisciplined, you know, and that's part of the, a coaching staff job is to discipline your team. You don't want to have walk a team out there undisciplined. How many, how many great coaches do you know go out there that has that play with an undisciplined team like this? When I say like this, I'm talking about with the all the statistics you just read off. You know, you're not going to find a real good coaching staff with that type of stuff going on around their team you're just not going to find it not saying that a good coaching staff is not going to have its own things they got to work on but you're not going to be at the bottom or at the top in all those categories you know if if the coaching staff is really disciplined in their team I, I just I hate to say it but some of this stuff falls back on the coaches it falls there back on the coaches be, there's got to be greater accountability like the, yeah. the standard has been set that this isn't the way the Saints play football. Right. Like, this is not the, the Oakland Raiders of the 70s where they took pleasure in leading the NFL in penalties. You know, that right. was that was part of the, the, the mystique. That ain't the Saints. That's not no. what they're supposed to be. No. And when your margin for error is so incredibly narrow, you cannot continue to push that margin in your opponent's favor through mental mm-hmm. mistakes. Yep. And, and that's where it's at. It's all mental. 
it's all mental. But again, we have to we have to make sure as a as a staff that our team is mentally sharp and understand it. I don't know if they're thinking so much, if they're thinking too much, you know, and not really understanding their assignment, so they're getting out of place. Uh with the penalties and different things like that. So you just, you really just don't know, but I know everybody has a hand in this and it comes down also with the coaching staff as well. They got a hand in it as well. Cause it's odd. I mean, the way the schedule is set, you came out of the gate with four teams that you are familiar with, right? Your division foes and a Vikings team that you seem to play pretty much annually, whether it's in the regular season or the playoffs, you've seen this Vikings team on a pretty consistent basis. Mm-hmm. So that's what's odd, too. It's because it's not like you, you would have to tremendously modify your game plan outside of Atlanta, who you really didn't know with the Mariota look um, in the backfield. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield. You've got enough tape on him. It's the same right. with the with the Bucks. You've played this team plenty of times. Same with the Vikings. They haven't changed their offense in the last three years. So yeah. I think it's just it's a little it's just a little surprising that you've made these mistakes against teams that, you know, Right. Right. Um, let's look at, uh, you know, for Seattle, one of the things I got to talk with the folks from Seattle on, on the Believe Network, and they were talking about their travel. You know, they traveled to Detroit, mm-hmm. come back home, travel to New Orleans. I'm telling them, say they had to take a big, long flight, too. You know, <laughs> like they didn't, yeah. they're not home. <laughs> uh, they have to adjust, too. And, you know, to have that Monday off and Tuesday was kind of light. And then you see yesterday coming into practice, man, let me just re- run down to the injury report. Yeah, right, here we go. Right, here we go. Out for the Saints yesterday, Throckmorton, Peyton Turner, Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston, P.J. Williams, all out. I expect that Jameis will miss this week's game again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I firmly believe that, that they saw enough offensively that they feel like against a bad Seattle team, why risk it with Jameis? Let's let Andy go out there and see if we can do it at home. Um, right. But the rest of these guys, Calvin Throckmorton came off a really bad performance um, last week. Peyton Turner has been one of the more disappointing draft picks this team has in the last three seasons. Hasn't really provided some edge rush when Cam Jordan has not been Cam Jordan to start the season. Mm-hmm. Michael Thomas, of course, we know what his value is to this team. And if he doesn't play and PJ Williams, a physical guy in that nickel spot to help you out there against the team that has talented receivers. How concerned are you with those guys that didn't participate? Uh, you're concerned. Don't get me wrong. You're concerned because those guys are playmakers, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you got your your quarterback and you got your, your best receiver not playing. And that's what we're struggling at offensively. You know, so it's definitely a concern. But at the end of the day, everybody – are pros. We got to have the next guy up. The next man up got to step up, and he may not do the job of the guy of the starter, but he got to really fill his shoes to where maybe it's by committee. You know, it's you don't have to take on all the load, but we got to have guys to step up. I mean, and that's just that's just the NFL. Like I said, nobody's feeling sorry for us. Everybody have their own injuries. Everybody have things going on, but it's the next man up, and it got to be that way. Uh, and and as a coaching staff. You got to have your next guys ready to go. You know, they got to step in and fill these shoes. There's no other way around it. You're going to have adversity as a team. You're going to have these things. Uh, so next guy up, that's what it has to be. How much was that impact that Alvin Kamara was limited in practice 
Um, you know, he hasn't really finished a game um, since week two. Um, then you lose, you sign Latavius Murray, you bring him in. And I don't blame Latavius. Look, if, if I'm not if, at 32 years old as a running back in the NFL, and is somebody willing to give you guaranteed money versus somebody that was might have shuffled you back to the practice squad and said, we'll use you as needed. I'm not mm-hmm. mad at Latavius for taking that. But no. what you are concerned about is Mark Ingram has not looked really great the last couple of weeks. Alvin is banged up. You, It doesn't seem that the Saints trust the lower guys on the running back depth chart. Do they need to go find someone else um, to add to this running back group? You know, it, it all comes back to at the beginning of the well, beginning of the all season. We didn't know who the running back was going to be either. We didn't know. That was one of the positions that we was like, OK, what we're going to do, especially with Alvin with his off the field uh, situation. We mm-hmm. just didn't know what was going to happen with that. You know, so. It goes back to now we're in the same predicament when it comes to our running backs. We really don't have a solid running, not saying we don't have capable running backs, but right now one is not playing well. uh, One is injured and those are our main two guys. So you have to go somewhere. I just don't know where, but you have to try to go find somebody. uh, If we got somebody else on the practice squad or somebody else practice squad, I'm not so big on just picking somebody up off the street. Uh, when I say off the street, if they didn't go through training camp right. or anything like that, because that's just a disaster waiting to happen at the running back position. That's just the injury waiting to happen. So I would try to find somebody that's already been playing or maybe just got released from a team maybe a week or so ago. But I wouldn't try to find somebody that's just strictly off the street that really haven't put the work in like that. They make sure his body is ready for this this struggle that we got to have. I got a long range question for you because mm-hmm. we have seen a kind of a slowing down with Alvin Kamara over the last, again, about a year, mm-hmm. the, the, the big 40 yard runs, the, the, you know, the screen passes that turn into touchdowns. We haven't been able to see that as much. Certainly. I think the quarterback play has a lot to do with that. The, the fact mm-hmm. that they had four quarterbacks last season, two quarterbacks this year. But the injuries are starting to mount up for him as well. He's missing more and more parts of games, and if not full games. Somebody his size, and we talked about this before the season started, about how unique a player he is, that when you talk about him in the NFL history, you know he fits with a certain amount of guys, those Roger mm-hmm. Craigs, the, Alvin, the, the Marshall Fox, that type of stuff. But we saw a lot of those guys, their peak was about six years Um, A lot of those multi-purpose guys, whether it's like a Ricky Waters, whose peak was like about six, seven years. Alvin's Mm -hmm. reaching that time. Are we starting to see maybe we need to manage him better, too, and find a true complimentary second back to split those carries with him? Exactly. We definitely need to find another another back to help split carries, uh, because as you get older, your injuries. I mean, you 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 can have injuries when you're younger as well, but you bounce back from them so quickly because you're young, but as you get older and you start getting more tread on those tires, more injuries you start accumulating, now they start to linger a little bit more. They start to really start taking some of your athleticism because you're getting older. You're getting older and you're still getting injured. Matter of fact, a prime example, uh, Julio Jones. Julio Jones, we all knew him to be a dynamic receiver. And he's still that. You can't take anything from him. But the fact those injuries has mounted up, you really haven't heard anything from Julio, no matter where he went at. The last two years. You 
the last two years, you haven't heard anything because the injuries are starting to mount up. And even when he's healthy, he's still not the same Julio that he used to be because of all the injuries. You know, so you hate to see this for for Alvin, not saying that that's what it is. But before it gets to that point, if it hasn't gotten there yet, we need to get him another back to help him out. We need Because right now, offensively, when he's in the game, everybody's keying on him because he is true. He's the offense right now when he's playing. You know, so we need another back. I don't want to key too much on the offense because I think we've we spent a lot of time on their problems. And look, we can't. There's only so many ways to say they need to get less penalties. They got to have pick up third downs. They got to come mm-hmm. score some points. I mean, we, we I think we beat that one down. But I yep. think if we as we get into the defensive side of the Seattle matchup, this is a team that lineup wise is very similar to what I think the Saints saw in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. As far as Geno Smith, you saw last week he was comfortable in the pocket, 23 of 30, 320 yards, two touchdown passes, runs for 49 with another touchdown there. He gives you that ability to, to make plays with his legs. He's shown that he's not willing to turn the ball over this season, only two mm-hmm. interceptions and one fumble for Geno. So he's being very conservative with the football while still trying to make plays. On the outside, you got DK Metcalf, a big, strong, fast receiver. You got Tyler Lockett, a very talented receiver who can make plays. And then in the red zone, they've been going to that tight end. Disley, he leads the team with three touchdowns in the red zone. So they've got options. And you take Rashad Penny, this dude's averaging six yards a carry. So I think that what Seattle's going to do is they're going to try to test the Saints like everybody else and first come out, punch him in the mouth with that running game, and then try to set up those easy throws for Geno, who has not been pressured a lot this season. And and not only those easy throws for Geno, but to get the ball into his big playmaker's hands, like DK Metcalf. To me, one thing that I've been seeing this entire time from our defense, our secondary, we don't tackle well in the secondary. And that scares me to come up against a guy like Metcalf, that's a physical guy, that when he catched the ball, he's already looked like a horse running. I mean, you don't know if you guys want to step in front of that when he's full speed like that. So I don't I'm that that worries me, his run after the catch, uh, because we don't tackle well in the secondary. You know, so and Lockett, like you say, Lockett, he's a quick, he's a smaller guy, but he's a playmaker. Uh him and Metcalf, they play great together. They're a good complimentary receiving core together. So uh, but that that's what scares me the most run after the catch by the receivers. That's what scared me the most about this game. But I think everything else, I think we can handle everything else. But what's worrying me is run after the catch. And they've, they've got to win first downs. Yeah. You know, against a team like Seattle that is confident right now. You can't help but be confident when your offense puts up 48 points. Certainly defensively, they got concerns. It's bad mm-hmm. defense. But offensively, at least you feel some confidence. They're, statistically, they're right about even with the Saints, but they're scoring six more points a game than New Orleans is right now. Certainly a 48-point game point game will do that to boost your average. But you know mm-hmm. what it's like, how, how important confidence is to any player, particularly a quarterback, particularly a guy like Geno Smith, who is looking to revitalize his career and now has two really interesting wins in beating Denver in week one, then you win this shootout with Detroit, for him, he's got to start feeling himself like, oh, I can, I can play again in this league. I, you know, it's been a long time. He hadn't had a, more than one start in the season, a very long time. 
for him now and see start five, I think he's got to be starting to feel good about himself. No, definitely. Definitely. His confidence got to be through the roof. Uh, the way he's been playing lately, uh, and he's showing you all aspects of his game. He's showing you that he can, like you say, he can get into a shootout and, and he can win it. He's showing you he can play, he can play in a big time game, whether, whether it was the first game of the season, but it still was uh, Russell uh, Wilson coming back home, you know, playing against him. So he still can show you he can win these big time games, uh, even on national TV. So he's showing you that he's really bringing his career back. I'll give you probably another prime example. A guy like Andy Reid mm-hmm. with Kansas City, you know, great coach. But I think his time had ran out in Philadelphia. Now he go to Kansas City, and guess what? He's a new guy again, you know, winning Super Bowls, uh, scoring a ton of points, got one of the best teams in the league. So I think the same thing happened with Geno. I think his time just ran out wherever he was at. And then he get a chance to step into the shoes as a starter with Seattle and rejuvenate his career again, which he's doing a great job of. Um, I, I'm going to ask you last before we, we, we wrap up on just the, the Dennis Allen question and Pete Carmichael, because they, they're the ones who are getting the most attention. There's already been this conversation about, you know, and it's not a question for us to answer because, you know, we're not the front office. Um, right. But for Dennis – you know, the big thing during training camp was that people loved his change of attitude. Mm-hmm. But the season, you know, you see fans remarking about how passive he is on the sideline. You know, it's the kind of stuff that went goes all the way back for the Saints fans, all the way back to Aaron Brooks. If they don't like mm-hmm. your body language on the sideline, they're going to call, call you out on it. But mm-hmm. there does Dennis Allen, you don't want to be who you aren't. But is there something that you can do to adjust your personality to get your message across to your players and and try to reverse this? How do you remain consistent to you are by ratcheting up that commitment to detail, that commitment to winning those things that you know you have enough veterans in this locker room that you should be able to rely on and inspire them to get it back in in line? I don't think I don't think a person personality changes if. If this is who you are, this is who you are. And if you try to fake to be somebody else, your team is going to notice it. They're going to know. So I don't think it's a to a point to where he has to change who he is because he is who he is. Mm-hmm. But there's things in practice you can implement when it comes to being more disciplined. Maybe all running always going to be the, <laughs> the king of discipline. <laughs> I'm telling you, if – like, but um, but I'm serious. Like little things, if you if you're holding in practice, if you're fumbling in practice, if you're throwing interceptions in practice, if you're doing these undisciplined things in practice, they got to be consequences behind it. It can't be okay. You know, either they got to get out of the game or get out of practice, or we're gonna run because this is what's killing us. It's it's our undisciplined. So I don't think he has to change as a person. Uh, I just think that right now we're losing. So everything is magnified when you're losing uh, from everywhere, you know. So I think he's going to be fine. I don't think his personality is the reason why we're losing. I just think we're losing because we're playing bad football. Uh, and and everything is a spotlight is shined on him because at the end of the day, he is the head coach. If we're doing great, guess what? He's going to get the glory. And if we're doing bad, you know, they're going to get on him a little bit. So that's that's part of the nature of the game. Win or lose this week before we make a prediction. The one thing I just want to see is cleaner football. Just cut down the turnovers. Don't turn it. Don't, you know, don't make penalties. 
and, and just let's see some 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 execution. If you're gonna get beat, make them beat you. Yeah, that, that's that's the only thing I want to see for this week. Um, I can't if I were predicting a score. This is the first time I'm gonna have to say that I, I'm picking the Saints to lose, just because mm-hmm. I do think Seattle's coming in with a rhythm, and and mm-hmm. that is that is so important in the NFL. And the Saints just still haven't found a rhythm. I mean, like we talking, we celebrating that they had 13 points through three quarters. That was the most this season. 13 through three quarters, the most this season. That you know wow. that bar is low right now. So if you're asking me, I don't think Seattle puts up 45 on this Saints team. I don't believe that. I think this no. team has too much pride and has at least shown the ability to stay close with people. I think if Seattle wins this game, it's more like a 27 to 21 uh, contest where the Saints are able to put up a few points against a bad defense, um, mm-hmm. but ultimately there's a mistake or two that's just going to cost them. And I think Seattle wins this 27 21. Mm. And, but I agree with you uh, when you was talking earlier about uh, uh, Gino and and about the team. You know, this Seattle team is they're scrappy. They're, they're figuring out ways to win. They're, they're finding ways to win. Uh, and that's one thing that we're struggling to do. Find a way to win. I mean, we found a way to win that first game we played. But since then, we haven't found a way to win. We've been finding ways to lose. So, uh, I, look, I, I came to get it fix my mouth to say it, but I got to go with Seattle winning as well. But I'm going to go a low-scoring game. I'm going 14-17 Seattle. I mean, the thing that I think is just that the Saints defense is still good enough, bend but not break. It's Mm -hmm. just that they – what you need out of the defense at this point is when your offense is struggling, you got to make a big play every now and then. That's the reason that teams that we've seen that had mediocre offenses were able to hang in is that their defense came up with timely big plays. And the Saints mm-hmm. haven't done that since the Atlanta game. It, it right. just, they just really haven't. And so, yeah, I think that they could do that. You can get – there are going to be plays available against, against Seattle, I believe. There mm-hmm. are going to be opportunities to, to make big plays. And I think offensively, the Saints, the one good thing is Seattle – we've talked about the Saints pass rush. Seattle ain't got no pass rush. Only six sacks no. this entire season for Seattle. So if you're Andy Dalton, that has to feel good. And if you're the Saints offensive mm-hmm. line, this is another gauge. Because if you give up three or four sacks to Seattle this week, then we really know it was, that there's a problem with this line. And you made a great point that hopefully, hopefully this right here, this game, we will see that, um, what can I say, better execution. And the reason I say better execution is because, like you was talking about earlier, if they come out and they execute better, they cut down on the penalties, uh, they did not turn the ball over, and we and we end up losing, at least you, at least we know we're making the correction we need to make. But if we go out there and we turn the ball over still, we're having a ton of penalties, but we pull the game out and win, it's great that we won the game, but that's not going to sustain we're going to end up losing more games than we are winning if we're not executing. Uh, if, we're, if we're just going out there beating the team just off playing bad football, but you just still beat them. I mean, it's great that you won, but that's not going to, that's not sustainable football to be successful throughout the rest of the season. So execution, like you was talking about earlier, is the biggest thing that we that I would want to see as well. I think it's going to be a strange atmosphere in the Superdome. I think folks are really leery. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Saints fans right now are not patient. And they need to look, 
they have not had a decent first half this year. So I think that it's really important. And I think you agree. They got to come out and set a tone early. No three and outs in the first quarter. You can't do that. You lead the mm-hmm. NFL in three outs. You, you, you've got to put some drives together. Get some kind of points early in this ball game yep. um, and give your defense an opportunity to get itself together. Um, but otherwise, I think it's going to be it, – it's. This is going to be an ugly football game regardless. I think it's an ugly football game, and hopefully the Saints find a way to be not as ugly and pull it out. Right. That's I agree with you. Hopefully we can pull it out. That's that's the thing. We got to pull it out. We got to get it. If we can win, everything else take care of itself. We just got to win. That, the change is, is immediate. People's <laughs> perception of the season changes immediately right at then. two and three compared to one and four. Yep. Two or three and one and four, completely different worlds. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Brother, I know you'll be watching on Saturday. Tell folks how they can keep up with you as always. And what else you got going on? Because uh, you got a big ECU game, ECU game this weekend? Yeah, so we, we play Tulane this, uh, this That's weekend. That's right. Uh, so you can catch me. I do the pregame show for East Con University. Um, you also catch me on Twitter at tcopper10, uh, Instagram as well, uh, and Facebook. You know, how about yourself? Y'all know how to find me at DM Grove on Instagram and Twitter. And you can check out my other podcast, Hard to Paint, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Until the next time, he's Terrence Copper. I'm David Grubb. And this has been Believe in Saints, brought to you by Bet Online. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Go Hoodets. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.